in John's Gospel, in John chapter 10, as we continue to consider who Jesus is, Jesus is, and he tells us, tells us elsewhere, but in John's Gospel, he tells us seven times, I am this, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate or the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Seven times, but that's not the only times that he says I am in John's Gospel. And I would encourage you to read through John's Gospel with that lens of when does Jesus say I am this? Or elsewhere he says, uh, do, not be, do not be afraid, it is I. It's the same words, ego me, I am. Uh, most profoundly, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, after he is uh, betrayed and Judas is there and all of the Roman and the, the soldiers are there to arrest him, uh, he says to them, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I'm that guy, basically. But he says, ego me," And they all withdraw from him and they fall down. There's, there's over over evidence in John's Gospel that when Jesus says, I am, in Greek, ego me, relating himself to Yahweh of the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3, that Jesus is identifying himself as God. He's identifying himself not just as God, but he's identifying himself as the covenant Lord of Israel. Jude goes so far as to say that Jesus delivered a people out of Egypt. Apostle Paul says that when the people were wandering in the wilderness, that they all drank from the same spiritual drink, that they had the same rock followed them, and that rock was Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There is a clear teaching in the New Testament that Jesus in the New is God of the Old. We will not tolerate, because it's just untrue, any other false distinctions that separate God of the Old Testament with Christ of the New. So in that light, I want to read to you from John chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18 just so we see the the blanket that Christ lays out. So would you stand as I read God's Word to us and hear the words of the living God. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you have already encountered us this Lord's Day. As we have seen the gospel preached through ordinance and baptism, as we have heard the gospel sung, as we have sung together of your holiness, of your hand leading us, as we've heard the gospel in prayer, you have encountered us, that you are amongst us and with us. So now, O oh God, we ask that you would grant us ears to hear, eyes to see. Would you soften our hearts that we might receive your word in faith and obey? Father, I now pray that whatever proceeds from this mouth that is not of you would fall to the floor. And remain unheard. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord Jesus, you said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. So, Lord, we have come to hear. Would you speak? God of glory, maker of the heavens and the earth, shepherd of Israel, the good shepherd of the church, would you speak? Father in heaven, speak. Your children are listening. Have mercy in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. As Jesus unpacks these identity markers, these I am statements in the Gospel of John, again, he is not simply drawing something and saying something new, but not only is identifying himself with the God of the Old Testament, but he's using Old Testament pictures and illustrations, identifications of Yahweh of the Old Testament and applying them to himself. So not only is the phrase, I am, a marker that this is the same, he's identifying himself as the one who is there at the burning bush. When God encounters old man Moses, by the way, encounters Moses there at the burning bush. And do you remember the 
scene. Moses is tending his father-in-law's sheep. And he sees this bush that's aflame and he turns aside to see it because it's a notable thing. It's not just a regular bush that's on fire, but the bush is intact, but the fire is inhabiting the bush, but not consuming the bush. If you go back and read Exodus chapter three, that the fire is independent of the bush, that the bush is not providing fuel, right? What do you need for a fire? You need Oxygen, and you need fuel. You need something to burn. But the fire there at the burning bush did not depend upon the bush to burn. The self-existent demonstration of God, that God Himself is not dependent upon anything. And as Jesus begins to apply this I am, because it's there at the burning bush, There at the burning bush, Moses says, as God commissions Moses to deliver his people. And Moses says, who shall I say sends me? What's his name? And God says, I am who I am. I am. Tell them I am sends you. That God is self-existent. And so when Jesus says, I am, he is identifying himself with the self-existent God. And this has profound implications for how we understand who Jesus is and what he has come to do. When Jesus says, I am, and he he, he identifies, he connects himself with that God. Not only is he saying that that work of, of redemption, that work of exodus, that work of salvation was something that I participated in. But he also is saying, I am the self existent God. You get a picture of the nature of Jesus. That Jesus is simultaneously in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son born under the law, born of a virgin, born of a woman. But Jesus in his essence as God is not dependent. He's not dependent upon Mary. He's not dependent upon Bethlehem. He's not dependent upon earth. That Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus will be. The eternal Son of God was, the eternal Son of God is, the eternal Son of God will be. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. Again, when he says, I am, he is identifying himself with God and he's identifying himself with these what are called incommunicable attributes of God. That God alone is self-existent. God alone is independent from all other existence. And this is profoundly significant because in Jesus, and this is going to, this matters profoundly where we're going. Because in Jesus, only in Jesus, Only in Jesus do you have this concentration, if you will, of the eternal God and true humanity. Only in Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, only in Jesus Christ, resident of Nazareth, only in Jesus Christ do you have this meeting of truly God And truly man. 
And it's truly God and truly man that makes his statement here in John chapter 10 possible. Only Jesus, Christ, the anointed of God, could be the door of the sheep and the shepherd of the sheep. Only, and, this, and if I could just, if I, could, if I had something to hammer on, and I would, ha- I would hammer this, so I'm just going to hammer. I'm not going to bang here. It would be nice and chill, not really. You need to grasp this. Because the world is full of false saviors that promise something that they cannot deliver. And it's not only the work of Christ, but it's the person of Christ that makes his work effective or efficient or effectual unto salvation. Only Jesus, only Jesus can save because only Jesus is truly God. I am self-existent. I have been, I presently am, and I will be. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That eternal nature is not something that he assumes. And it's not something that in his incarnation he gets rid of. But he is always upholding the universe by the word of his power, the writer of Hebrews tells us. And this Jesus, he is the one who made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. It's this Jesus who is truly God, who is able to save. But it is this Jesus who is truly man, who opens a new and living way through his flesh. The writer of Hebrews tells us, we'll talk about that in a second, Lord willing. You need to get this. Because I, if I can, I want to tell you, I mean, I don't, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm going to tell you some counterfeits in just a second. But counterfeit Jesuses, they use the word Jesus, counterfeit saviors, both political, religious, philosophical, cultural. The world abounds with false saviors that promise you something. But it is only this Jesus who is the door and the shepherd. So when Jesus says truly, verse seven, verses five through, I mean, one through five are a, an introduction of a, a mini parable, a figure of speech. And Jesus kind of riffs on that into these metaphorical, he's, he's using that not, not in the way that he typically uses parables. I guess if you're kind of pressing into this, I won't, I won't press that point any further. But uh, So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the, I'm the gate. You might be familiar, like Jesus, the shepherd makes sense. But Jesus is the doorway of the sheep. That Jesus is the means by which those who are the sheep who are entering the sheepfold and exiting into the pasture, that he is the means. He's probably picking up something from 
Psalm 118, verse, verses 19 and 20. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Verse 20, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. That Jesus is, is the means by which we enter into something. And we'll talk about that something in a minute. But it's important because the, this is an exclusive statement. This is related very much to what Jesus says in chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The implication from that figure of speech is that the one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, but the others who would come into the sheepfold, it does not have high praise to them. They're strangers that the sheep do not know. They're described as thieves and robbers. To pursue what Christ offers, and if we could, we could say salvation, redemption, entrance into the kingdom of God, the promise of everlasting life, the fullness of life, the abundant life, the things, the forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins, righteousness before God. These are the things that Christ offers, but to offer those things or seek to get those things outside of Christ is a thieving offer. It is robbery because it can't give what is offered. Are you, everybody tracking? So Jesus is the doorway and the means by which we enter into relationship with God. We enter into new citizenship in the kingdom of God is exclusively by this door. Jesus doesn't say we are the door or I am one of the doors. He says, I am the door. This is an exclusive, exclusive. And if there's anything that is scandalous about the gospel, which there are many things scandalous in our day and age, but this is, is this exclusivity of Christ. He is the only one. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. And yet, dear one, you are bombarded even today, even this morning on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, whatever else you've been on, on the news. You have been bombarded by false messiahs who say you can get right this way. You can get fullness this way. You can get abundant life this way. You can, you can look, if you just look a little bit younger, if you take this makeup or if you take this pill, you can drop some weight and finally enter into abundant life. There are false messiahs all around you. And it's not just those who use the name of Jesus, but uh, rob him in their theology. They rob him of his essence. Consider the cults like Mormonism or the Church of the Latter-day Saints, Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. That's what they prefer to be called now. They use the language of Jesus, but the content of the person is totally heretical. It is not biblical. The same is true for the Jehovah's Witnesses who had robbed Jesus of his eternal divinity and somehow believe that he's still able to save. And yet their, their theology and their lives demonstrate that it's not Christ who they believe saves them, it's their works. And so there's another way a false Messiah bumps into your life. Well, if I can just be good enough. It's exactly what Chase Walker just said. He had to be encountered with the reality because he's a sweet kid. Right? Such a testimony. 
And he had to encounter the reality that I am not saved by becoming good and being good. All of these and many, many more. Many, many more. False messiahs, false hopes, false saviors hit you in the face and they continue to hit our our neighbors and our friends and our family and that many of them are walking through those gates believing that they're stepping into some new life. They're believing that they're getting something that they didn't have before. They're buying into the promise because if there's anything that humanity knows, it's humanity knows that we need to be saved. How we articulate it, how we live that out, It varies around, but we need something more. And just as we are prone to make idols just about of everything, we will continue to seek any and every other door that is offered to us other than the one that God has appointed to us. We would rather find our own way so that maybe at your... And if I do your funeral, tell your family that you can't play it here. Um, I hope that maybe that's offensive. I don't, but that Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. This God of individualism. That somehow we believe that we can come up to the gate of God and say, no, I would rather make my own way. We are condemning ourselves. Believing that you are the captain of, our, of your ship, the master of your fate. Your self-pursuit not only robs you of true life today, but it robs you of eternal life forever. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. He's not talking about the prophets. He's talking about those who would offer this other way. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and go out and find pasture. Notice those two things. It is only in Christ and his, the entrance into new life through him that you will find protection or security and provision. Do you see that? They will go in and out and be saved and find pasture. What does a sheep need? It needs safety and it needs provision. What do you need? You need safety from the storms that are going to confront you, that are already confronting you. You need protection from the adversary and the the wicked movements of Satan and his minions. You need to find a refuge in the Lord. And you also need provision that Christ offers you. Not just, "Here, here sheep, come out on the bare rock. There's nothing here really to eat. No, He leads us into... True pasture. He leads us into full satisfaction. The, the, the psalmist says in Psalm 1611, and then at the end of, I think it's 1715. 1715 says that I will awake satisfied with your likeness. Psalm 16 says that at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures. And yet some of you are believing that if you can carve out your own new door by serving your flesh, that you will somehow arrive at fullness. Maybe it's not you, but maybe it's your neighbor, your friends. If you can just 
serve yourself enough. I am the door. But notice, the thief comes only to steal, kill, destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Every single false Messiah, every single other Savior is a movement of this one adversary. This one thief who would kill you, steal your life. This is what Satan is after. And every other manifestation of another door, of another gate into new life is a manifestation of Satan's intention to delude you, to deceive you, and to damn you. To see you damned. There are counterfeit saviors everywhere that would steal your life. They would steal all that you have. You can think about poignant ones that are visible. Consider some of the, the despots of the, the 20th century. Think about Hitler and Stalin and Pol Pot. They go and they take what you have. This is the wicked lie of... No, I won't get into that. It's the wicked lie of communism. You shouldn't have things that there's a, there's a thievingness. It will steal steal your thing, steal what you have, kill you. I mean, visibly, consider Mao and the cultural revolution in China. Untold millions. You could could create the, you know, you remember the instance where where the, the women are singing when Saul and David come back into the city? And Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his ten thousands. You can flip that for the powers of darkness and say, Hitler has killed his millions, but Stalin has killed his tens of millions, and Mao has probably killed his hundreds of millions. False saviors. And those are stark, stark images. But you need to see that any other whether it be a political ideology, any other religious doctrine, any other cultural movement that would tell you that your full and blessed life is going to be found somewhere other than through Christ Jesus, it is a work of rebellion against God. There's a lot to say there, but but notice the intent of Christ. He has come that you might have life. Never, ever, ever doubt the intentions of Jesus for you. If you would come through the door, He will give you life. Not bare life, not skinny your teeth life, abundant, full, flourishing. This is extended to you. Come to the door and enter into new life in Christ. But he follows that up with the powerful image that I am the good shepherd. Where do we see, where do we see shepherd in the Old Testament? You're going to know this one. The Lord is my... I shall not... Where is that? Psalm 23, gold stars. Good job. Smiley faces. 100%. So Jesus is taking a notable, and that's not the only place where God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, is described as shepherd. 
the shepherd of Israel. But he says, I am the good shepherd. So simultaneously, Jesus is the door saying, you have to come and go through me. Only in me do you find protection. Only in me do you find your soul's provision. Only in me. The others are thieves and robbers that will steal and kill and destroy. You must come through me. But I'm also the good shepherd. And here is where I want you to see the exclusivity of Jesus. I've already hammered this point, but I'm going to hammer it again. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What qualifies Jesus to be both door and shepherd? Is that he comes to lay down his life. Every other false Messiah comes to gain something from you. Christ has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's a marked difference. And this is what qualifies him to say, I'm the door. I'm the shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. And it's only in the laying down of his life is that door opened. If it is any, anyone else other than Jesus, there is no door opened. And the way remains shut. But it's through the good shepherd who would lead his people to life everlasting. Life that is full and abundant today. It's only in him. Because he has died. This is what the writer of Hebrews picks up in Hebrews chapter 10. If you're on Wednesday nights, we just did this a couple weeks ago. Verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Christ. Do you see the same movement? We have confidence to enter into the holy places, to come into the presence of God, to come into the kingdom of God. How? By the blood of Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus, there is no doorway into the presence of God. Without the blood of Jesus, there is no way. There's no way for people dead in their sins and trespasses like us. There's no way for sinful wretches to enter into the presence of the holy God if it is not by the blood of Jesus. That's why every other False Messiah is after your life to take it, not to give it. We have confidence to enter by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. That Christ had to be rent, if you will. He had to be broken. He had to be torn asunder to make a way for you to come in. And because he is the shepherd who cares, who loves his sheep, he yields his life to make a way. But he doesn't just make a way, right? This is awesome, y'all. He doesn't just make a way and leave. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And then he talks about the hired hand running when the wolf comes. But he's, he's not like that. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. If you were to take this imagery and you go back up into the passage when he says they won't follow a stranger. He knows his sheep, his sheep will know his voice and they will follow him. 
So just consider the work of Jesus. I can just lay this before you. Consider the work of Christ. Consider who he is. It's eternal God, truly God, truly man. He says, I'm laying down my life to make this way open to you. But he doesn't just beckon from within the sheepfold saying, come over here. But the shepherd goes out because the sheep know his voice. So God has sent forth the spirit. And as the gospel is preached, people will hear, people will believe, and people will come to Christ. And is that you today? Jesus is the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have everything I need in Christ. What a blessed condition it is to come to the awareness by the power of God that all we have is Christ. And if we have Christ, we have everything. This is why the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6 is able to say, I far be it from me to boast in anything except for in the cross of Jesus Christ, by which I have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. That means that everything we have, we hold with open hands. But Christ holds us and he is all we need and more. So let the world, the mountains sink into the sea, as the psalmist says in Psalm 46. Let the storms howl. Let health fail. Let relationships fall apart. We will not be moved. As Christ is our shepherd. Let whatever is going to happen in this world happen. But Jesus is the door. And Jesus is the sheep. And his sheep knows his voice. Know his voice. And Christ willingly lays his life down. And he takes it up. Jesus' life is not stolen from him. It's given away for you. And it's in Christ's death that he extends the invitation to come. To come to new life. It's in his death that he flings open the, wa- the arms of heaven. And he say, come home, sinner. Come home and be alive and know true life. And he takes his life up again that we might have new life to replace our old dead life. So I pray that this Jesus you know. I pray that he is the door of your life. That you would consider, one, the false saviors that bombard you. The subtle ways that you are baited into believing that you need something other than Jesus. To be, to be satisfied, to be happy, to have a long and prosperous life, whatever it is that you think you need. And I pray that God begins a work in your heart 
a sometimes painful heart work to knock down those idols and show you that those doors that are offering you new life actually are doors that will demand everything and take you away from the source of life, God himself. Whether they be the movements of our culture, whether they be other religions, whether they be sort of the mixture of religions that's happening in our world today, and culture today. Would you know if you have Christ, you have it all. And if you have Christ, Christ has you. And you can have confidence today. You can have confidence in him and follow the good shepherd wherever he leads. Because sometimes his road goes through the valley of the shadow of death. But we will fear no evil for what? You are with me. So whatever comes, dear saints, the Lord is with us. Would you come? Come to life. If you have not known Jesus, would you repent today and believe? There's abundant life before you. Christian, would you stir up and think of the ways that you're being formed and shaped by these false counterfeit saviors for lesser joys, for lesser pleasures, and they are robbing you, maybe not of eternity, but they're robbing you of abundant life today. Would you consider the ways that these false counterfeits are impressed upon you? Keep an eye out and say, Jesus is the way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this moment to be able to hear and to preach. We thank you for the gift of your word, the gift of your spirit. We thank you for Jesus, who is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. God, would we so be attuned and aware of the real thing in Christ that all the counterfeits would be shown clear as day for what they are, that we might be people whose feet are planted squarely and surely and eternally in Christ. I pray, Father, if there are some who need to step out of spiritual death and darkness and to step into spiritual light and life, that your spirit would do a work in their heart right now that you would draw them and that they would respond in faith to believe upon Christ and be saved. Lord, we love you because you have first loved us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.